Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are doing, we are studying together the rest of chapter 2 of Zechariah and chapter 3. So this is 2b and 3. I am dividing it this way because the, um, what we're about to read today, which is was going to start with verse 14 in chapter 2 of the prophet Zechariah. This is the beginning of of a famous Haftorah. Haftorah is the portion we read in synagogue of the prophets. And this is the portion chosen for the Shabbos, for the Sabbath that falls out on Hanukkah, on the holiday of Hanukkah. The, um, uh, it's also uh, read a couple other times, but that's the time that it's most famous for. We will see what the connection is between this portion and Hanukkah later. But for today, um, I'm just going to start with those words for chapter 2, verse 14, and I'm going to complete through the end of chapter 3. The portion that pertains more directly to Hanukkah, I'm going to read and study, we'll study together in the next podcast. So let's begin verse 14. Rani v'simchi batzion, daughter of Zion, be joyous, be happy, shout for joy. The, um, remember... Zechariah was just in the in, in our last podcast. We studied the beginning of the chapter where he was very nervous. He was very worried. He was worried that this building of Jerusalem, this new temple that they're building, was never gonna was never gonna be successful. It may not work. It may be destroyed just like the first one was. It's never gonna prosper. Jerusalem is not gonna grow because everything was so sad. The the um the building was nothing like what they imagined. They were again under the thumb of the Persians. This is a very, very um, anxious time, a very um, depressing time, really. So God comes and calls out and says, Don't be depressed. You that are now in Zion, I want you to be happy, be joyous. Even though what you're partaking of and doing doesn't seem so grand and joyous, but be joyous. Why? Because I am coming, God says. I am going to reside within you, no Madonai so says God. So be happy, be joyous, because you guys, you the ones that are here, you are the ones who are involved in the beginning of something beautiful, something wonderful. Remember we emphasized before, and I'm going to emphasize again, that the potential that the people had uh, here was, was endless. God had declared Zerubbabel, who was the king, not the king, who was the descendant of the Davidic kings, who was now just the governor of this province, was and can be and had the potential to be the Messiah himself. Redemption was at hand. Yoshua, the high priest, could have been the forefather of high priests for generations in the new the new temple, the final temple, and unite the entire world underneath this this great and wonderful and beautiful um, uh, 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 re- redemptive process that c- can begin right now, right here. And Zechariah here reminds us of some of the prophecies now of Isaiah in verse 15. The, the beautiful visions of Isaiah, the entire world, many, many nations are going to come and, and attach themselves to God on that day. And they, all of them, all of those nations will be for me, for a nation. 
This is going to spread the entire world. Many, many nations are going to join and they're all going to be my nation. It's not just going to be Judea. It's not just going to be the Jewish people. But the vision that we, the, the vision of Isaiah of the entire world joining and becoming one nation under God is going to be I am going to reside among you. And you will all know, everyone, the entire world will know that it is the Lord God, the Lord of hosts that has sent me to you. This seems to be the prophet speaking. When this vision happens, you will all know that it, that I have been bringing you this vision from God himself. So this is this beautiful, wonderful vision. It's here. It's here. Be happy. Be ready because it's coming. It's coming. We can do it. The potential is here. That grand vision that you came and you hoped for but didn't see can be and will be. And God will give Judah his portion. Don't worry, everything will be exactly as you imagined. On this holy land, he will yet choose Jerusalem to be his special city, his capital. It's coming, it's here. Has Be silent. Don't worry, don't complain. All flesh, all living beings. We, we mentioned this, we saw this in Isaiah, we saw this in Jeremiah, that the redemption is a redemptive process for all of human, not just humanity, not just all nations, but all of creation, all of the world, the animals, nature, and so on. We saw that in Ezekiel, be calm, be quiet, relax, calm down before God, because God is going to awaken and arise from his holy place where God has been hiding all of these years. He's about to come out. He's about to reveal himself. There's a contrast, remember, here between those nations that are going to be nilvu el Hashem, that are going to attach themselves to God, and those nations that are the kronos, the horns that we read about in the beginning of chapter 2, the horns that came to destroy, the horns, the, those that made the people, oppressed the Jewish people and oppressed others and oppressed other around them, those are not going to be part of this wonderful vision. Those are going to be the ones that, that God is going to shake up and destroy right now being represented by the oppressive Persian Empire. Now we're going to go into chapter 3, but in, in the, in, in the um, Haftorah, this is a continuation, so I'm going to continue into chapter 3, and we'll read all of chapter 3. But before I read the verse, try to imagine for a moment, here is Zechariah, here is the prophet. The temple has just been built, but it's a sad, sad building. It's small, it's broken down, it's hodgepodge put together with spare parts. Isn't all the gold and silver and grandeur and beautiful height of the building was which it had in the first temple was just simply not there. Zechariah is the prophet. Haggai was here at this time. He was prophesying and trying to encourage the people and give them hope and tell them that this can be, this has the potential to be the ultimate redemption. And the two leaders of the people at the time... Um, in addition to the prophets that we're reading now, were of course Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, who was the governor of the province and the potential king, the potential Messiah, and Yehoshua ben Yehotzadak, the high priest, the Kohen Gadol. Yehoshua ben Yehotzadak represents the people's spiritual, their service to God. Yehoshua ben Kohen Gadol is the one who's going to lead the people in purifying themselves. He's going to lead the people 
in the temple service to to get rid of the people's sins, to bring the people closer to God, to pray, to serve, to worship. That is what Yoshua Kakoina Gadol, Yoshua's job was. However, Yoshua and the people themselves are a small remnant that has just been through years and generations of exile. They come with all of the baggage that exile comes along with them. I'm going to tell you right now that in this chapter there are many, many, again, many different interpretations and commentaries, and all of them are beautiful in their own right. I'm here picking and choosing among them and finding the one that I feel and believe that speaks closest to me and I feel is the closest out of the text here. That Yehoshua here, and I know that Talmud has interesting interpretations of what's going on here. All of them are beautiful, wonderful, and important. But again, as we've seen in Zechariah Kipatish, Yifotzeit Selah, the Torah has many, many, many. When you smash open the rock of Torah, it breaks into many parts. Each one carries its own truth. So follow along with me as we read Yehoshua representing the people in their relationship with God. That's what Yehoshua's job is. His job is to bring to bring, um, to bring the people closer to God through service, through worship, and to lead them in the process of, and this is very, very important, in the process of finding atonement, finding purification. This is what the process in the Beit HaMikdash in the temple is about, bringing these sacrifices to God and going through atonement, going through admission of guilt, going through the process of vidoy, the process that we're all familiar with on Yom Kippur, that the Kohen Gadol's job was to lead, to lead the people in achieving atonement before God and achieving purification, getting rid of the filth that sticks with us, that stays with us, especially after all of these years in exile, after all of these years without a temple. So God showed me that vision of Yehoshua, the Kohen HaGadol. This is verse 1, chapter 3. He's standing in front of the angel of God, and there was an accuser, there was the prosecutor, who was standing on his right side, the Sitno, to accuse Yehoshua, to be the one saying, who is this guy? What is this guy? Who's he worth? Look at him. Look at his filth. Look what he's dragging in. Yoshua and all these people are bringing in all of these sins, all of this filth, everything that they've gathered and, and everything that's attached itself to, to these people and to Yoshua who's representing them in front of you. He wants to get purified. Please don't, don't translate this satan as Satan. I think that's just an awful, awful translation. This, it, it would, it, this has nothing to do with some image just banish from your brain the image of some sort of evil angel. Judaism doesn't really support that. And that's not what this verse is saying. A satan, and we find this throughout the Torah and throughout Tanakh, when he uses a satan as the accuser, as the prosecuting angel. And for when you're standing in front of God in judgment, there's prosecutors and there's defense attorneys. There's, there's those things, that the guilt that we bring to God, the guilt, the things that we did wrong, the things that we are ashamed of that stand there. Those are telling God, look at this person, look what he did, look what she did, look who he is, who she is. And then there's the defender saying, no, look how pure this person is. The person wants to do better. They want to purify. Yeshua's job is to bring about purification and atonement. It's only natural and expected that the filth is up there with him by Yomer Adonai Satan. And God himself said, to the satan, to the accuser, to the, all of the, the one who was pointing to the filth that you know, surrounded Yoshua, Yigar Adonai Satan. 
God is now yelling at you. He's screaming at you. Who are you? This dirt, this junk, this is nothing. God is yelling at you. Get out of here. Get this dirt out of here. God is the one who chooses Jerusalem. Don't tell me that Yoshua has no right to come here to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple and lead the people towards purification and atonement. No, I choose Jerusalem, God says. It's time now for purification to occur. Remember the image, remember the environment that we're living in. Zechariah is seeing this vision and seeing no. He's worried, he's worried. Maybe it's not the time. Maybe we have sunk to such a low level that our little temple, our nothing that we built out of scratch, and, and, and we're suffering on a thing, maybe that's because we're not worthy of it. But no, God says, I am choosing Jerusalem. These people, this is, not, this is not filth. He is a brand, a coal that was rescued from the flame, who's about to be consumed by the flames of exile, about to be consumed by the Babylonian exile, by the Persian exile. But I rescued him. I rescued him and brought him here to Jerusalem because I chose Jerusalem and I want Yeshua, I want this Kohen Gadol, I want this high priest to be able to achieve purification and atonement in this new temple. Yoshua, but Yoshua was standing there in verse 3, he was standing there with dirty, filthy clothing full of all of the filth and dirt that he dragged in with him from the exile. And he's standing there before the Malach. What are we going to do with all this filth? And God says, Vayan. And he answers, the angel of God says, Vayomer, He says to those that are standing before him, Lamar, Take off those disgusting clothing, those garments, those, those disgusting garments full of junk, full of, full of gross, full of filth. Take them off, Vayomer, And he said, Re'eh, look, look. The, the angel that listened to his instructions, presumably this was that accusing angel, the Satan himself, the one who was the accuser himself, said, Re'eh, look, 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 I have taken your sins away from you. I have cleansed you. It's purification time. I have now dressed you up in nice, fresh robes, robes with which you can go and serve before God. For Omar and I said, this sounds like the um, the uh, uh, the prophet himself saying, or this could be the 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 angel of God who is standing uh, uh, there said, Now put a a, a beautiful uh, hat, a turban upon his head. It's sonif, it like reminds us of the language of a mitznefet. The mitznefet, it's the same root. That's the hat that the priest wears. When he does the service in the temple, take a pure one, a tahar one, that's tanif tahar, put it upon his head. Vayasimu, and then they, the assembled angels, even the accusing angel went and they placed tatsonif tahar, the pure hat, the pure turban on his head. And they dressed him up in nice clothes. And the angel of God was standing there. And now, now that this was... Now Yoshua was purified. The filth of the exile is taken away. Yoshua now can go and lead the people in their process of atonement and purification. And the angel of God now gave Yoshua the following command. He said, this is your job. I've purified you. I've taken you out of exile. I saved you from the burning flames. 
but this is what you have to do in order to make sure this happens, this works, and that your mission is filled. What is your mission? This is what the Lord God says, verse 7. If you go in my ways, you follow my ways. And you guard my rules, the things that I told you. Take care of my house, take care of my temple. Follow the, my, my ways of Torah. And you are the leader of Beisi. I want you to judge my house. Meaning, my people, when they come to you, you're going to be a fair judge. You're going to be a kind judge. You're going to be a person who looks at things fairly. I want you to keep my Torah, keep my rules, work with my people and be fair to them. And I also want you to watch my courtyards. I want you to take care of this temple. I want you to make sure that the rules are kept, that the, the laws are kept, that it's, that it's kept pure, it's kept holy. No more of the kind of stuff that happened in the last temple that we read about in Ezekiel, the terrible, terrible idol worship and all kinds of terrible things that occurred in the temple. You guard it, make sure that doesn't happen again. And then what will be? This is one of the most beautiful blessings we're about to read ever. Then Vinosati, I am going to give you people that walk among those instead of those that are standing here doing nothing. Remember, look back at the last three chapters so much. The people didn't want to build. They didn't want to move forward. They all wanted to go to their own houses. They all, no one wanted to build. It's not time yet to build. If you remember, that's how Zechariah started. Zechariah is now seeing in the vision as the angels are telling Yoshua, Mehalchim, I want you to go, I want you to move, I want you to walk forward, I want you to build. I am going to give you builders, walkers, doers. No more are you going to have omdim, people that stand and do nothing. There's many, many interpretations of this, but I'm, I do believe that the way I just read it is, is the simple meaning of the verse, Nasati I'm going to give you people, the people that are, I'm going to give you, your followers, your people, your nation, if you are Drachaitilech and you are Mishmartishishmar, then those people that you are leading are going to be Ma'alchem, not Omdim. Shma na, please listen, verse 8. Please listen, Yoshua Kohen Agadol. Listen to me carefully, Yoshua. You are the high priest. Ata you echa yoshvim And those of your friends that are sitting with you, the other priests that are with you, trying to start things up the right way. Remember, Kian Shemo Faisema. These men are men of Mofes, are a men of a sign. They are a sign. The fact that you are with them, that's a sign. That I am going to bring my servant, the sprout, the tzemach. Tzemach, we've had here in this book, we've had it in Chagai, we've had it in many places. Tzemach is a reference to the sprout of David, the tzemach of David, the tzemach, the sprout, the Messiah himself. I am going to bring him. All Virtually all the commentaries understand this as a Zerubavel. God has already promised through Chagai that Zerubavel has the potential to be the Tzemach. We learned through the Malbim who explained so beautifully and I've been using him, his, his understanding here and, and, and many, especially modern commentaries, use this Malbim because it just makes so much sense. Zerubavel can be, will be, should be the Messiah himself that, and, and I'm going to bring him. But you have to do your job. This is the crucial idea. Unfortunately, we now know in retrospect that Zerubbabel never became the Mashiach. 
But that was because of exactly what we're reading here. Not because the prophecy wasn't true, but because we didn't do our part. God wanted us to be mahalchim, and we weren't. We didn't do our job. We didn't do what we were supposed to do. Had we done it, this would have happened. And God promises us, I'm going to bring my servant, Semach, the sprout. Key, verse 9, Here is the stone that I placed before Yehoshua. This is the stone. There's various understandings of exactly what this stone is. It's kind of difficult to understand this. But given the context, it's almost certain that this stone is a stone being used to build. The people were so concerned that they didn't have stones to build. They didn't. The stone is, the, is, is being used to build this new temple. And I'm placing this stone before you, Yehoshua. I'll evenachas on one stone. This could also mean on each stone. Shiva Einayim will be engraved the form of seven eyes. Now what are these seven eyes? This is again Zechariah being mysterious again. But it's really not so mysterious here. We're going to read this soon in, in verse 10 in chapter 4. Um, they will see the stone, uh, the special stone in the hands of Zerubbabel. Shiva Ele Ene Hashem. These are the seven eyes of God. So we're going to see, so the eye, this is the same stone we're talking about here. On each, on one of these stones, there's going to be seven eyes, which represent the eyes of God. Now, what does this mean? God says, I am the one who is going to make these engravings. Presumably, this means I am going to engrave seven eyes on the stone. Whether this is metaphorical or actual, it could be there actually were seven eyes. We do know from archaeological evidence that the images of eyes was an image that meant image of wisdom, and those engravings are found on many stones. So it's not surprising that this image was being engraved on the stones of the Beit HaMikdash. However, over here, this Shiva Inayim is also, remember the people, remember the vision of the horses. The horses were the eyes and the spies, and I called them the KGB of the Persian Empire. This is what struck fear into the hearts of the people and made them feel like they're under, they're under the thumb, the oppressive thumb of the Persians. When will God redeem us? When will it be the eyes of God that are looking upon us and no longer the sneaky eyes of the Persian Empire? Well, this is what God is promising now. On the stones of this very temple that you're building will be the eyes of God because it's the eyes of God that are watching you. I, God says, So says the Lord God himself. I am going to engrave these eyes on the stones of the temple because it is going to be me that watches you. And when it's me that watches you, what happens? In one single day, I will get rid of all of the sins of this land. I will forgive you. I will get rid of your sins so that you can approach me in purity. On that day, now, I have been saying this throughout consistently from the beginning of these podcasts, throughout all of the, all of the verses of Tanakh. Whenever it says Bayomahu, Bayomahu means that ultimate day when redemption comes. Now, in our case here in Zechariah, that day could be very soon because it could be Zerubbabel, it could be Yoshua, it could be now. Unfortunately, it wasn't. But if it's not then, it's going to be some other day in the future when the third temple comes. But by Yomahu on that day, so says God, when that happens, when the sins are gone, the pe- people are purified. What will be then? Then each man will call out to his friend, all human beings, each, all people, 
Lirieu to their friends, El Tachat Kefen, El sitting in the shades of their own grapevines, of their own fig trees. They're going to call out to each other in friendship and kindness and togetherness. This is the image that's going to happen on that day. Unfortunately, that day didn't happen in Zechariah's time, but it could have. And Zechariah was telling us, though, that the day will yet come, even if it's not now, but it will come, and it's up to us to make sure it happens. Thank you so much for studying this chapter of Zechariah together. Looking forward to studying chapter 4, and of course many, many other um, uh, chapters and books that we can study together. Have a wonderful day.